want you to imagine for a minute that Mass ends this morning, you go out to the parking lot or street, wherever you parked, and your car is gone. There's just a little sign telling you that it's been towed. And you have to go get it. And the car pound is, you know, someplace God only knows where. Have you ever had that experience? You know the sinking feeling of showing up and there's just an empty spot where your beloved car used to be. You don't know if it's stolen, you're not even sure what's going on, and you realize it's been towed. And then, of course, you've got to get out there to the place where they towed it. And there's usually some heavily guarded, wire-caged little space where someone is sitting inside, and you have to deal with that person. I had a friend in college who was that guy. That was his job. He was the guy who sat in the cage, and any of you know the city of Chicago, Lincoln Towing. It's just one step below Attila the Hun. <laughs> and you can imagine the mindset of people showing up to reclaim their car. And you might think, you know, that reality show, The World's Worst Jobs, that this would be on it. But in an odd sort of way, he used to tell me there was something about that job he found really inspiring. Yeah, lots of people came and they wanted to rip his head off and they were angry. But what he said was it was fascinating once they kind of resigned themselves to the fact, okay, no matter how much I yell and scream, I'm not getting this car out unless we follow the protocol. And they would have to call someone oftentimes. And just the process whereby they would call someone, and what that looked like. And oftentimes they were incredibly ashamed, or I don't want to bother, I don't want to call my wife, I don't want to call my husband, my kids are sleeping. It was often in the middle of the night. You know, who am I going to call? I don't want to bother a friend. And they would feel so guilty about having to do that. And then he said, it was amazing to watch whoever it was show up. Show up with the money. Show up to give them a ride back. And oftentimes they were trying to say to this person who felt absolutely awful, often in tears, hey, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, this guy is a dirty so-and-so, but it's okay. Don't worry, don't feel bad. We've all done it. I want to take you back. And he used to say that was an incredibly inspiring scene to see play out again and again. It's almost like it renewed his hopes for humanity. This was a college kid, you know, so pretty powerful to get through. And I never forgot that experience. It's not a job I would want. Maybe the seminarian should try it as a pastoral placement. <laughs> no, but a window right into humanity. And I'm mentioning that today because I think as we go into Lent and the theme for St. Joe's is, you know, return to me, return to the Lord, that all sounds great. But the question is, who are you going to trust to actually get you back? Who are you going to trust to have waiting for you if you do come back? Lent is not a solitary sport. Lent calls for a lot of trust. And I think that's why the church gives us the readings that she does on this first Sunday. There we have Noah. Okay, it's the happy time. They've gotten through the flood. They're outside. We don't really know what happened to the ark, but a lot of tradition said they, Noah took the wood of the ark for the sacrifice that he offers to God. And then what does he get in return? What he gets in return is this extraordinary promise. Noah, I will never again do what I did. And of course, as many of us know, that's the line that 
our Jewish brothers and sisters use to talk about the Shoah, the Holocaust, never again. That's where it comes from. But think about the trust that calls forth from Noah. Does he believe God when he chopped up the ark? Was that an easy thing to do? I've often said, if I could be at one place and time in the biblical world, I'd want to be the first time it starts to drizzle after they get out of the ark, (laughs) right? Because you have to decide. Is God going to be true to his word? We know how this turned out last time. And forget drizzle, how about a storm? They had to decide, is this real? Are we really moving forward in a whole new reality? And then you see it, you know, who knows how many millennia later with Jesus in the desert. What did he hear from his father? We didn't read that part, but the baptism is just before this. Son, I love you. You are my beloved son. I will be with you. And then, bam, the Spirit sends him out into the desert. Mark gives us a very abbreviated version. We know from the other Gospels, Jesus is tempted. These are harsh times. Does he trust what he heard? Does he believe that affirmation and love from the Father? And we shouldn't fall back and just say, well, he was Jesus. Of course he did. Well, he was the beloved son, but he had to grow in trust just like anyone else if he was really like us in all things but sin. What he didn't do was give in to discouragement or doubt. When it started to drizzle, he didn't run for his axe to start chopping down trees. And so just as a little spiritual exercise, it's maybe a good question to pose to ourselves at the start of this Lenten season. 40 days, almost all those kids knew it. 40 days. Not what are you going to do for Lent or what are you going to give up, but who are you going to trust? Who will you trust to walk this journey with you? Because if it's something significant you're entering into, then it's probably around an area in your life where you're a little bit vulnerable or you're a little bit unsure or maybe a little bit afraid. Otherwise, you'd be doing this great thing all the time or you'd be letting go of that harmful thing that you've been carrying around. You would have let it go a long time ago. It's not easy to do those things. It's not easy to say when the rain starts after the flood, just get an umbrella, you'll be fine. It's not easy for Jesus to say in the face of the very devil threatening him, no, I know my Father, I know who I am in his eyes. And so who will that person be for you? Or persons, but it's probably not a huge group. Who will you let know? Not simply, yeah, I'm doing this thing for Lent that maybe sounds sort of generic, but here's why. Here's why it matters to me. And maybe it's something that you wouldn't tell to anybody else, but let there be someone you tell it to. Certainly the Lord, but let there be someone who accompanies you on this journey. That can be one of the greatest Lenten exercises you or I will ever undertake. And I guarantee you, it won't just be a powerful Lent for you. It'll be equally, if not more powerful, for the person you draw in with you in that process. If there was one job I would never, ever, ever imagine could be inspiring or heartwarming or reaffirming the goodness of the human condition, it would be to be the guy in the towing lot cage. But amazingly enough, it was. Whom will you trust 
this Lent. We now reaffirm 